Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-11. What is iniquity? What does it refer to in the Hebrew Bible? Let's take a look at this word, iniquity, and understand it from a Hebraic perspective. And then let's apply it to how we would understand Yeshua's words. Ancient Roads. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome back to Ancient Roads. Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai, and on today's podcast, I'm going to take us down the path into the term iniquity. So if you have a Bible open or have something close by, maybe on your smartphone or on your computer or your laptop, or just if you have something physical, come along and join us here and we'll go into a study of the term iniquity as we understand it in the English. Let's look at it from Hebrew, okay? Now, the Hebrew term for our English word iniquity is the word avon, avon. And avon is ein, vav, nun, or ein, vav, nun, sofit, which is the ending letter uh, for the Hebrew letter nun. Ein, vav, nun. The Hebrew root or What we call the Shoresh for the term Avon is linked to the three letters Ein, Vav, He. Ein, Vav, He. Now, what does this root Avva mean with a He in the third letter position of the root, of the verbal root? Ein, Vav, He. This word, this term, refers to something that is bent, twisted, or if you will, to bend something, to twist something, to deviate off of a course or off of something that has been identified, or to distort something that has been identified or specifically decreed. You're getting the ideas of bending, twisting, deviating, distorting. That is the basis. That is the source. That is the very core essence of this idea of Ava. Ein, Vav, He. So let's get some ideas as to what this refers to from Hebrew scripture. We're going to turn to Lamentations chapter 3 verse 9. Lamentations 3 9. For context, let's begin with Lamentations 3.8. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. Let's look at this word crooked in Lamentations 3.9. 
Here, the word is ein, vav, he. And with the vowels added, it is iva. It is iva. It is in what is called the PL form, the PL form of the Hebrew verb. It is a third person masculine singular root. Ein, vav, he, iva. Okay? This is very, very important because the idea is that of crookedness. Now, to really drive this point home, I want to show you that this three-lettered root, Ein Vav He, the first letter of this root, Ein, for Ein Vav He, which gives us the word iniquity, or this word for bending, or twisting, or distorting. This first letter, Ein, can be interchanged with an Aleph. It can, and it's a different root, but it still can be exchanged for an olive. And grammatically, we can see this is very, very important. Let me tell you why. Because the same word, ein vav he, which means to distort, to bend, to twist, to convolute, to bend, to twist, to distort, when you exchange the ein at the beginning for the aleph, and you make it aleph vav he, guess what you're going to have? That root is going to give us the word ava, and ava is a word that means lust, or craving a desire or to long for, or to wish, or to yearn, to have a craving desire for something. And the very first place where this word is used is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So let's take a look at it. Genesis 3, 6. So here we read, when the woman saw that the tree that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. We're not going to go into a study on this particular verse, but what I do want to do is point out to you that Genesis 3.6 has the first reference to this term, Ava, which is spelled very similar to the word for bending and twisting and distorting in Hebrew. That word being Ava with an Ein instead of an Aleph. So that tells us that the Aleph and the Ein with the word Ava, it sounds very similar, but each of the words have very similar meanings of bending, twisting, and distorting. 
This is very interesting because in Genesis 3, 6, we learn that the woman was looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzadato Virah, and that she noticed that it was pleasant to the eyes. Now, the translators give us the word pleasant, but the Hebrew is ava. It's from the root aleph, vav, he, aleph, vav, he. And that is the word that is very similar in spelling to ein, vav, he, which is the word for being crooked, bent, distorted. These are two different roots in Hebrew. They are spelled differently, but they sound similar. The Hebrew root with the ein is guttural. The Hebrew root with the aleph is not. So it's going to give you this idea that both terms, ein, vav, he, ava, and aleph, vav, he, ava, both of these words are sharing a very similar negative connotation. So the concept of bending, twisting, and distorting is as a result of having ava, aleph, vav, he, which is lust. And that is important to the narrative in Genesis 6. Because that's what gives us this bending, twisting kind of idea. It comes from this idea, this concept of a longing and a yearning and a lust. Now, let me bring you to another passage, and that is in Numbers 11, 4. This is the story of the quail. When all Israel had been in the wilderness... And they were starving. They were hungry. So the narrative reads in Numbers 11.4, Now the mixed multitude who were among them, and that is all of those that came out of Egypt, according to the book of Exodus, it says that they yielded to intense craving for the quail. So the children of Israel also wept again, said, Who will give us meat to eat. So they are experiencing this intense craving. They were lusting after something. What was it that they were lusting after? They were lusting after meat to eat. So Jehovah gave them quail. You can read about that also in Exodus chapter 16. So this whole idea of lusting is the concept of the olive Vav He, which is the same word that is found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when Eve, when the woman, saw the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she saw the bling in the tree, and she was craving and lusting after what she was looking at in the tree, because the serpent of Genesis 3, 1, showed her something in the tree that she just couldn't get her eyes off of it. So she was craving after it, lusting after it. That is the Hebrew word, avva, with an aleph, avva, with an aleph. But notice, it is that 
craving of Genesis 3.6 that leads to our inheriting of a bent, twisted, distorted nature from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It leads us to that root Ein Vav Hey, which is that word that gives us this bent, twisted, crooked nature. It led us into the path of rebellion, into the path of corruption, into the path of missing the mark, all those things, and so much more. So, That's this craving and this lusting thing. And we'll talk more about this idea in future podcasts, okay? Now, let's go back to this root and understand what this iniquity root for Ava is all about. Avon or Ein Vav Nun is the word bend, twist, and distort. Bend, twist, distort. The concept of avon and ava, even with their different spellings from the basic root word. It's something or someone that bends, twists, distorts, deviates, perverts, and also someone that is lusting and seeking after and craving after something. So these ideas go together. So in the Bible, truth is often something that is bent. It's twisted. It's distorted. It's bent. It's twisted. It's distorted by one who turns away from truth and lies against the truth. They lie against the truth. This one is a deviate. And that deviate is one who does avon. That deviate is one who does avon. They're doing the characteristic of bending, twisting, and distorting. But you see, that's what the serpent did to Eve. Did he not? Did he not bend, twist, and distort things in order to get Hava, to get Eve, Adam's wife, to get her completely off track and to completely derail her? Of course he did. He caused her through showing her that she could lust and crave and long for and desire something so strong that it would twist her up. It would bend her. It would distort her to seek after something that she should not have done, which was to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus, she perverted the truth. And so did the serpent. He perverted the truth. So we get the idea that Ein Vav He, that's Ava, or Aleph Vav He, that too is with a similar sound of Ava, that those words are carefully connected and linked in Hebrew to give us the word Avon. The roots of these words are showing us the Genesis chapter 3 dilemma. And it's further showing us that that entire dilemma has its root or its source in the bent 
twisted, distorted character and nature of the one that Genesis 3.1 calls Nachash, Nachash, that is, the serpent. Thus, everything we say and everything we do, it always, always has a reference to our character and our nature. So anytime we are bending, twisting, distorting, perverting, or craving, it always has something to do with these Hebrew roots, both in their two-letter form and their three-letter form giving us the whole character and nature of the Nachash in Genesis 3.1, who is also called the serpent, the devil, the Satan. It's those kinds of ideas. That's why iniquity is related to this idea of bending and twisting and distorting and perverting and craving and lusting. It's got all those ideas tied, linked to it. Iniquity. Avon. Ein, Vav, Nun. Now let's take this a step further. Let's look at Isaiah 27, 1. Isaiah 27, 1. In that day, Jehovah with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, or Leviathan, that twisted serpent. He will slay the reptile that is in the sea. Now, the word twisted in this Isaiah passage is not derived from Avon, but the concept is there because the serpent is definitely twisted. That is the whole point. He is twisted. Recall from Genesis 3.1 that the serpent said to the woman, has God, has Elohim indeed said, you shall not eat of all the tree or of every tree of the garden? So he was twisting, bending, distorting, and perverting the words of the Almighty Eternal One. He was seeking to turn Adam's woman, Adam's wife, into a creature of craving, into a creature of lust, which, of course, she and Adam did fall for that trick and passed it down to us, and with it passed down sin and death to all of us. And we became inheritors of sin and death in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you doubt my word, you can go look at Psalm 139, verse 15. Psalm 139, verse 15. It says that we were born into the lower world. That's why we have to become born from above. We have to go above like Moses went above. Like we have to go up above 
We have to go above because we start out below. Moses went to the top of the mountain. We go to the top of the mountain. We start below. Everyone starts below and we've got to go up. That's what Yeshua said when he said to Nicodemus, Assuredly, I say to you in John chapter 3, 3, you must be born from above. You must have a new life given to you from above. Why? Because we have an inherited DNA genetic imprint from the twisted sin and death of the garden tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We come into the world with that and we have to get out of the world and get disentangled from that. We start internal and we go external. That's why our salvation is in two parts. First, internal with the new man. Second, external with the outer man. That is the hope of our glory through the resurrection. This is so important. Please listen to what I'm telling you. This is so important. We must understand this if we want to really appreciate our salvation. So with this idea of avon, ein vav nun, which means to twist and distort things like this, we can see that, that this, is a, this is a graphic implication. It's something very, very graphic to us. Why? The serpent, the Genesis 3.1 Nachash, he lost his mobility from Genesis 3.14, when the Almighty Eternal Elohim declared and decreed to him, On your belly you shall go. You see what's going on here? He obviously was not on his belly. It would appear to me that he was walking on his two legs, folks. He had to have some legs. Maybe he had four legs. I don't know. Whatever he had, he was walking. In the Hebrew, the word is holech, holech, or leholech. He was walking. And so Yehovah decreed to him in Genesis 3.14, On your belly you shall go. You're going to slither. Well, that would presumably tell me that he lost his legs. And we can see that he had legs because he was walking in the garden, according to the metaphor, the metaphor that is written about in Ezekiel 28, 14. Ezekiel 28, 14. When the serpent is said to have walked among the fiery stones on the holy mountain, he walked, but now he's slithering. You see, as a result, the serpent as a snake slithers across the ground in bending and twisting movements. That's because snakes move about on the ground with lateral mobility. That's what they do. They have to propel themselves forward. So in order to do that, they can't simply get up and walk. They have to move by twisting and bending movements. That gives us the idea that the serpent is a twisting serpent, a bending serpent, a 
perverted serpent, a crooked serpent. This is the idea of iniquity, or in Hebrew, avon. In Hebrew, avon, ein, vav, nun. Therefore, I'm saying the idea of avon, which is iniquity, goes back to the serpent of the Garden of Eden. Now, with that idea, we can look at the following passages and get a really good handle on this picture. Let's turn to Exodus 34, 7. Exodus 34, 7. Here we see a picture of Moses, Moshe. He is on the mountain with Jehovah, and Jehovah puts him behind a rock. And what does he say to him? He shows him part of himself in a very wonderful, glorified way. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll come back to these very important concepts and ideas as they relate to the Hebrew Scriptures and to the Brihadashah, the New Testament. We'll come back and look at more of these ideas after we take our break, okay? Stay with us. This is Avi ben Mordechai, and this is Ancient Roads Real Israel Talk Radio. listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 20-11. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and this is... Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Let's turn to Exodus 34, 7. Exodus 34, 7. Here we see a picture of Moses, Moshe. He is on the mountain with Jehovah, and Jehovah puts him behind a rock. And what does he say to him? He shows him part of himself in a very wonderful, glorified way. And it says in Exodus 34, 6, that Jehovah passed in front of him and he proclaimed, he announced out loud, Jehovah, Jehovah, Elohim, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, or literally guarding mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Notice that? Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And that is part of what is called the 13 Attributes of faith, the 13 attributes of Yehovah. It's part of this whole teaching in Judaism amongst the many, many rabbis of all the centuries and millennia past. 
It's talking about this idea that Yehovah has attributes and characteristics, and through those attributes, through those qualities and characteristics of his love nature, he wants to forgive us of three things, iniquity, transgression, and sin. He wants to forgive us and rid us of the iniquity. That is, he wants to disentangle us from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what he wants to do. But if we are so obstinate that we keep saying to him, no, I want to do it myself, thank you very much, He says to us, I don't want you to do this by yourself. You can't do this by yourself. I want to disentangle you, disengage you from the sin and death. That's the fruit in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzadato Virah. That's what he wants to do. He says he wants to keep or guard mercy for thousands. And in this text of his characteristics, he wants to forgive, wipe away, erase our disentanglement from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it goes on to say in the text that he also wants to rid us, disentangle us, disengage us from our transgressions. What is that? We went into it already. He wants to disengage us from our rebellion that we inherited from Adam and his wife, Adam and his woman, when they rebelled against the command of Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, and Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. When he said, when Jehovah Elohim said to them, don't eat of this tree. Don't eat of this growth, this plant. Don't eat of it. I don't want you to do that. And they did it anyway. That was rebellion. So that's called transgression. And then the third aspect of this from Exodus 34, 7 is the term sin. So he says he will forgive us or wants to forgive us of our avon, that is our twisted, bent, distorted, craving nature, our bent twisted, distorted, crooked, perverted nature that we inherited from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because we inherited it from Adam and his wife. He wants to forgive us of that. He wants to forgive us of the transgression, that is the rebellion, that is the pesha, pesha, or pasha, pasha, He wants to get rid of that in us. And then the third thing, he wants to forgive us and erase from us all of this stuff that has resulted in our missing of the mark, which is chata, which comes from the word chet, which comes from the word chata'a as a noun, which is the term for sin, or if you will, the sin of missing the mark, missing the goal, missing what we were aiming at. And that's what happened to Adam and his wife, his woman. They missed the goal, missed the mark. It's like playing a game. 
It's like playing a, you know, a footy or a soccer game and hitting the ball and missing the net. And when that happens, you don't get the point. You don't get the goal. That's the issue. That's sin. So we have iniquity, transgression, and sin. Avon, Pesha, and Chet, or Chata. These are the three ideas that are found in Scripture. So, let's tie that together now in Psalm 32.5. I acknowledged my sin to you says the psalmist, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to Jehovah. Notice those? He acknowledges his sin, and that is found in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Let's take a look at that. So the psalmist says in Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledged my sin to you. An acknowledgement is a confession. So go to 1 John 1.9 in the Brihadashah. If we confess our sins or acknowledge them, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unjustness. That is, from all of our self works of trying to feel like we deserve our salvation, feeling like we must earn our salvation, feeling like we must get Jehovah to look kindly upon us and to show us goodness and kindness on what we do. No, no, folks, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. He's the one that gave us this particular uh, conditional status. I did give it to me. He gave it to me. I didn't earn it. He gave it to me. He gave it to you. This is a gift. Well, if it's a gift, then how can you earn it? How can you feel like you deserve it if it's a gift? No, you don't earn and deserve the gift. He gives it to you. Why? Because it says in 1 John 4, 19, that we love him because he first loved us. He was the one that loved us. He was the one that gave to us first. So that's what Psalm 32, 5 is saying. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity, that's my bent, twisted, distorted, crooked, perverted, distorted nature that I inherited because of my missing the mark, Due to my inheriting what Adam and Eve had, I acknowledged that stuff to you, and with that iniquity that came out of that, I have not hidden it. I have not given him a line of BS. I've said to him, hey, I have this. I admit that I am bent, twisted, distorted, crooked. I admit that I am perverted, that I came into this world in this condition. That is my sin. That is what happened. I missed the mark. I inherited that particular thing. That's my iniquity. So I say to all of us, you, me, all of us included, I say, stop lying to Jehovah and lying to ourselves as though we are some great thing, this great, wonderful, beautiful thing. 
Listen, we are filthy and dirty and we deserve nothing. And yet he has made us beautiful, glorious, good. He's given us something brand new on the inside, which he is going to marry to the outside in the last day resurrection. That is important for us to know. That's the battle. That's why you're struggling so much with things. That's why I struggle with so many things. That's why all of us are struggling all the time. Because we have this missing of the mark in us, which has resulted in our iniquity, our bent nature. And therefore, the psalmist says, I will confess my transgressions to Yehovah. In other words, I will confess my Pesha. I will make a point in telling Yehovah I have been rebellious. And it's interesting that Ezra and Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Hebrew writings, they were doing the same thing through their prayers, along with Daniel. In Ezra chapter 3, Nehemiah chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 9. All of them were confessing the rebellion of the nation. And we can do the same. Let's go to Jeremiah 33, 3. Jeremiah writes, I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. I will pardon, that is, erase and forgive all their iniquities, all their bending and twisting and distorting and uh, crookedness. He's going to pardon all of that. He's going to disentangle us from that of own, which comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the tree of the Yetzadato Verah. He is going to pardon that. Because we sinned, we inherited a nature from Adam and his wife. And that nature lives by the principle of rebellion. It transgresses against Jehovah. It has Pesha. It is criminal what it does against Jehovah. And you and I both know it. We struggle with all of these kinds of things all the time. So this leads us to the prophecy of the coming Messiah who would accomplish this for us in Daniel 9.24. Take a look at this, Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, that is, to finish the rebellion, that is, to finish the Pesha, to make an end of sins, that is, to make an end of chata'ah, that is, to make an end of missing the mark, that is, to make an end of all of this stuff that has caused us to miss the mark of the word, the Torah, the kingdom of heaven. And to do what? To make reconciliation, a reconnection for our iniquity. 
So he's going to take on our entanglement to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, Messiah is prophesied to take on himself that entanglement, that engagement, that connection to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the He's going to take it on. He's going to bring it on himself because that's what we have. That's our nature when we come into the world. He takes it upon himself. And with that, he is going to dump it. He is going to get rid of it by dumping it, by by depositing that into the second death. He's going to burn it up. And that is going to go away forever. Hence, he cannot possibly hold us accountable to anything of the avon or the iniquity of the Garden of Eden. Because when we acknowledge our sins and we talk about our transgressions in front of him, we are acknowledging the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, his purpose, his reason for coming, and all that he wanted to accomplish to give to us. Thus, he gives to us all those things all those characteristics of himself. He lays it on us. He takes away all of our entanglement and all of our engagement to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he puts within us a new man, a new Adam, a new creation inside. Now we're just waiting for the outside to catch up. That's through the hope of the glory of our resurrection that will change everything forever and forever for good. But for now, we got a battle, and Paul picked up on this when he was talking about that which I do, I don't want to do, and that which I don't want to do, I do. Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 8, that's the point. He hates all this stuff, but we have a battle working within us, then working without us. We have something inside us hating that which is outside of us, and that which is outside of us hating that which is inside of us. And we are battling continually day in and day out, but that will soon cease. So this is the coming of Messiah's work according to Daniel 9.24, which fulfills to the letter everything written about in Isaiah chapter 53 about the suffering servant, the messianic suffering servant, the messianic hope. All of that is going to be put on Messiah. That's why Daniel 9.24 is fulfilled at one level. It's fulfilled in the sense that Messiah Yeshua came. He completely cleared us out on the inside and made a brand new creation, giving us new DNA. Oh, yeah, I believe it's new DNA on the inside. I don't think it's the old stuff. Not from the garden tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Nope, don't believe that. I think he gave us new DNA on the inside, a spiritual DNA. And now we have that. But we're still battling with the outside stuff. Therefore, we have the battle of the outside stuff DNA, the flesh DNA, and it's fighting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The two are going together. That fulfilled Daniel 9, 24. It's so fantastic. So Yeshua accomplished this for us. He did all this for us. Thus, 
in Scripture, you're going to see these three things. You're going to see sin, transgression, and iniquity. Or if you want to put it a different way, iniquity, transgression, and sin. You're going to see errors and failures and mistakes and misses. That's sin. You're going to see breaches and breaks and rebellion. That's transgression. You're going to see twisting and bending and distortions and coveting and lusting. That's iniquity. So the iniquity goes back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The transgression comes as a result of looking at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the sin is that which puts us under the big umbrella of iniquity and transgression, causing us to miss the mark, to miss the goal, which is the Messiah, the King of glory. That's the whole issue that we're dealing with here. With all this being said, I want to conclude with the following thoughts that will bring to an end our three podcast series on dealing with sin, transgression, and iniquity. In our Hebraic studies of the Brit HaDashah, that is the New Testament, and even in our Hebraic studies of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, May I suggest to you that when we read and hear the words sin, iniquity, transgression, and other such terminology, that we should not randomly define them according to the simplicities of our religious cultures that surround us in everyday life. When we see words like sin, sinner, sinful, transgression, transgressor, iniquity, iniquitous, or even opposite terms like blameless, blamelessness, innocence, purity, perfection, know without a doubt that there is going on a much deeper definition than meets the eye to all of these terms. Yes, certainly it's tempting to think Oh, I'm a good person. I, 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 I sin, but you know, not all the time. Listen, folks. Biblical reality states it quite clearly. We all enter the world with a baked-in crookedness. That is the Hebrew word avon. And long before we took our first baby steps, we were already separated from God's eternal life and laws and covenant. We were already separated from that relationship the moment we took our first breath. It is up to us to study and walk in the truth as Yeshua said. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Words like these are laced with deep meanings, and it is up to you, to me, to each of us here listening to this podcast. It's up to us, to each of us, to be diligent, to present ourselves approved to God. Not that we have to earn an approval. We present ourselves approved, already given and loved, because that's what he did for us before we could ever do it for ourselves. We are approved to God, a worker, 
who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is from 2 Timothy 2.15. So with all of this said, thanks for joining us on this podcast today and for the last two podcasts dealing with sin, transgression, and iniquity. Or if you will, chata for sin, Pesha for transgression, and Avon for iniquity. All three of them have given us these ideas. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I am with you. ideas that we're talking about and we'll fill in more of the gaps, more of the holes, more of the ideas when we talk about sin or when we talk about transgression or iniquity. You've been listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with your host Avi Ben Mordechai. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home. Visit our website at www.cominghome.co.il.